Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe. Now introducing your show hosts, Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Keynes, and Ed Mann. Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Devs and a Maybe. My name's Ed Mann and today we're very lucky to be joined by Matthew Nepali. Hello, Matthew. Hi. Hello. Hello. And fellow my builderer, Neil Brooks. How you doing, Neil? Hello. Hello. I should say there's been a couple of audio technical difficulties at the beginning of the show, but we're, we're persevering. Uh, one of those reasons is actually because Neil was a, a late booking for the PHP Conference UK. So Neil, how, how did that go yesterday? Uh, really well, actually. Um, so the the issue was that uh, Rob Allen unfortunately had to drop out um, of his talk, which was all about running PHP on serverless architecture. Um, and I had submitted a very, very similar talk. So they, uh, the organizers asked me to drop in at the last moment and come and talk about uh, breath, actually, which is a uh, which was a, a fantastic thing to get out there to the, to the UK audience. Well, it's funny you should mention Breath because we just so happen to have the creator, Matthew, on. Um, so for the audience, we, we've spoken to Neil uh, a little bit once he, when he did his Symphony conference talk on Breath last year. And also I've, I've spoken previously about kind of trying to run PHP in a service architecture. But it'd be really good to get your kind of history and really the definition of you know, what really is Breath then. Right. Um, so Breath, uh, it's an open source project. And the goal of the project is to basically help everyone to run PHP on uh, Amazon Lambda. So the goal is to create serverless applications using PHP. And Breath is, you know, it contains a bit of uh, tools, uh, a bit of, uh, of, of a framework, but it's also, you know, documentation. It's also a set of uh, choices for third party tools. And it's also a community. So Breath is all of that. And the idea is that when you use Breath, you got everything you need to create serverless PHP applications. That's awesome. And, and really, I suppose we should ask then, why serverless? What, what, what is it about serverless then that drew you to it? And then obviously trying to you know, intertwine that with PHP. Right. Um, well, when I started with serverless, I discovered that uh, I was working on, a, on two projects, actually. Uh, one was a website. Uh, it's called returntrue.win. And one was um, a website, it was a, sorry, a software as a service, it's prettyci.com. And for both projects, uh, what I was looking for is a way to run PHP code in a way that it's isolated and in a way that it's cheap. So I was looking at containers, I was looking at virtual machines, but it was really complex to set up and it was, you know, it could get expensive. So that's when I discovered Amazon Lambda and it was maybe a year and a half ago. And that's what got me into it. And even though I was looking for something cheap, something scalable, and something you know with isolation at the time, right now that's that's not what serverless is to me. And and what's most important, what's really important right now, and I think what's what really really need to focus on in serverless technologies is the simplicity. It's the fact that we can now write code and run it online without having to deal with the details of uh, you know managing containers and and servers so that's really really great Neil uh, you can chime in here and especially when we're saying like cost is one big thing that you've shown that if you've seen in your working you're running loads of EC2 instances massive infrastructure and then being able to simplify that down into some very small serverless workflows 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually showed in a, in a slide yesterday uh, my own AWS billing console, and there's just a sharp decline in the amount of money that I've been spending personally since I got involved, um, started tinkering with Breath, um, so late summer last year. And, and I haven't had to pay for a single load balancer uh, just to get those free SSL certificates anymore. So that's, I'm getting that for free now, which is, a, which is fantastic. Absolutely. And I mean, I say we, we've spoken about fast in the past, function as a service, the merits of serverless, you know, one of them being there where you pay for what you use, you know, and you can scale infinitely uh, is really kind of like one of the big selling points of it. It'd be interesting, Matthew, you know, building breath, what, what technical challenges did you actually come up against uh, with the Lambda environment? Yeah, so that's, that's a really interesting topic because it changed a lot in the last few months. Um, when I started Good looking at AWS, <laughs> yes, yes, and uh, you know, a year ago it was there was no basically there was no support for PHP on Amazon Lambda, and there are a few serverless providers that did and that do support PHP, but that's maybe not the majority. And yeah, on Amazon Lambda, the only way you could run PHP was through another language. So what we used to do, and that that's what we did in the previous version of Breath, is that we would use like JavaScript lambdas and use JavaScript to actually run PHP. So uh, that meant a lot of, uh, you know, compiling PHP and dealing with all of that, all of that complexity. That wasn't really easy. And uh, thankfully, it changed in November because in November, there was the Amazon reInvent conference. So that's where they announced a lot, a lot of new products and new, new services and new features. And yeah, they announced that there is no support for PHP on Amazon Lambda, but you can integrate any language you want via an open API. So that's uh, what we looked into. And there still, there still are some challenges to um, you know, running PHP on Lambda, but it's much easier now. Um, we still had to deal with uh, you know, compiling PHP and, and integrating the PHP execution model into the Lambda execution model. Uh, we had to deal with performance issues and, you know, also adapting frameworks to, to match uh, several constraints of uh, Amazon Lambda. But uh, all in all, it's working. So so that's that's great. That's really great. Yeah, I mean, the work you're doing is amazing. And I know that, Neil, you know, the, the talk and where we, we were talking about breath and kind of the Lambda of ecosystems, you know, back in, I think it was October for Symphony Conference. It is, as you say, with runtimes now layering uh, all the aws reinvent stuff that they 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 churned out it's completely changed and one of the great things with lambda is that as you say there with compiling php is that you can kind of just think of the environment i mean it's a containerized environment you don't need to know that it's just the abstraction levels uh, but you can compile just like as you say you can compile php compile these languages and now providing like a runtime uh, that allows you to have this nice clean open api to these things has really opened the door and it must make your life i suppose it must have made your life easier now but obviously back in the past like you wish you i suppose you wish you had this before performance wise then you mentioned and kind of like that how has that changed uh you since going from zero two to zero three we gained a lot in performances and the main reason for that obviously is that we don't use you know javascript or any other language to execute php so since there is no uh, middleware between php and amazon lambda obviously it's much faster um now this is something we need to do more performance tests performance tests and we that's something that's yeah, we need to do and to publish that on the on the Breath website. But still, we did some preliminary tests and they are really good. 
because we are getting closer and closer to uh, you know what you could expect when running PHP on the on the classic EC2 instance. So that that's really int- that's getting interesting. Yeah. So um, obviously one of one of the big changes now that we had is is moving from serverless to utilizing uh, the serverless application model or, or SAM. Um, so do you think you could kind of tell us a little bit about what SAM is and, and why we had this big change of moving from serverless to SAM instead? Yes. So in the previous version of Brev, we were using the serverless framework and that took care of packaging the Lambda. Packaging the Lambda is basically taking up the code and creating a zip file and sending it to Amazon Lambda. And that was work, working really fine. But um, since the new version of Brave, uh, the idea was to focus on a single provider, which is Amazon. And so we didn't need uh, the serverless frameworks you know, feature to support many providers. So that was one of the reasons um, I, I started considering Sam seriously. And Sam provides as well some tools to run the applications locally. So you have uh, you can run web applications locally with API Gateway with uh, um, obviously Lambda uh, locally, uh, even DynamoDB as well, and it all runs using uh, Docker. So you can run basically the same thing as uh, uh, in production on your machine without having to deal with configuring containers and trying to replicate the production environment. It's done for you. That's really really a, really a great selling point. And finally, Sam is great because. It's uh, Amazon's official tool to build serverless applications. So first, it's updated when there are new features, and it integrates with tools like uh, uh, Amazon's Code Deploy or Code Pipeline services. So that means that you can integrate your configuration and what you do with SAM with Amazon's uh, services to deploy automatically whenever you push to GitHub or or to, to whatever. So that, that's really interesting. And that those were the main reasons why uh, we moved away from serverless into SAM. Is there anything you missed from the serverless framework that you kind of wish SAM had or vice versa? You're kind of happy that obviously, I mean, keeping up to date now using the official way that, you know, Amazon's kind of provided one is great. But is there anything yeah, from serverless that you kind of wish you had? Um, it's not necessarily about the feature, at least for me. It's more about the community because the serverless community is really big uh, and they are really I don't know if there are passionate people, but anytime there's a new feature in, in AWS or, or anything, it's implemented really quickly. So uh, we have to be a bit more patient with Sam. And I think that's maybe the, the, the thing we lost uh, with the migration. But still, Sam is an official tool, so they keep it up to date. But it's maybe you have to wait one month instead of one week, you know? And, and it's all the things around it, isn't it? Like the infrastructure deploying things, being able to like package up static assets, all the different kind of plugins, and that's the ecosystem right. that Serverless Framework gave you that now we're kind of going to have to reinvent in Sam or think a different way. Right, yes, th- there's that. But uh, I've used some plugin of the Serverless Framework, and while it's useful, I, it's always, you know, you're not sure how, how much the plugin is maintained and how um, whether it's like the the good way to deploy, for example, with the static assets. Um, I, I was always, you know, on the fence on whether that was the, the the right way to do stuff. So plugins are great, but since they are really a community thing, I don't know. It's uh, I, I was always not sure whether to one was the right fit, you know. <laughs> 
Another thing then, so with Lambda, so we've kind of touched on layers and the runtime and this new process that has been around since October. But it'd be really great maybe to go into the people who are even new to Lambda or kind of coming in from, I suppose, old Lambda now. Uh, the concept of layers and runtimes. So what actually then is a Lambda layer? Um, if you've done Docker, uh, a great way to understand that is like a layer is like a Docker image. So that's, that will provide you with some uh, binaries, some libraries, and technically a layer is just a zip file. And whenever you say, I want to use the PHP layer, or I want to use the whatever layer, it's basically saying, include that zip file and unzip it whenever the Lambda boots. So whenever the Lambda boots, it will unzip the, the, the zip, and then you will end up with some binaries, some uh, libraries, and that's what we do with Breath. We provide the PHP layers so that you have PHP installed on, on Lambda. Now, runtimes are a bit, uh, a bit different. Uh, runtimes are layers, but they also provide everything that's needed for the orchestration. You know, that's, uh, the, the, basically they provide the script that runs whenever the Lambda boots. So that's with that specific script that we can do, for example, run PHP FPM or run the Symfony console or Laravel Artisan or whatever you want. With the, with the layers that Breath provides, I mean, how, how much does Breath give me if, if I need, say, maybe um, MySQL or, or, or Postgres or whatever? Like, is that support all built in for me? Can I just straight away drop and replace what I'm already running on my server? That's the idea. We try to provide most PHP extensions, like the most popular one. Uh, because there are some size restrictions, we cannot, you know, Breath cannot include all the extensions. Uh, but we try to provide the one that you are most likely to use. For example, yeah, MySQL and PostgreSQL. There's also an issue of what if you want an extension that Breath doesn't provide, and that's that's a, actually a hot topic right now. And um, I think the goal would be to try and make it as easy as possible to to add support for custom extensions. Uh, that's something we need to work on. That's something that people have, st- have started to work on. So that's, uh, yeah, that's an interesting topic. And like, as you say, like the fact that a layer is just a zip file, it, it unzipped into the opt directory in the Lambda container space and that you can up to, up to five, so you can kind of overwrite. And I can see it was interesting looking at your implementation, how you've got, let's say, the PHP layer, but then you've got a layer console that overrides just the bootstrap of it. So you can kind of build up from these shared libraries and kind of compose kind of runtimes or these, sorry, these kind of like environments based on certain layers. And another thing there, so we've actually spoke about it off air, uh, but it was something that was really interested with looking at the source for the, the Docker builder pattern that you used and how you build these runtimes, because it's no easy task to build something like PHP. Uh, and as you say, for catering for many different kind of eventualities, you know, Neil mentioned there MySQL and Postgres. You've got multiple different options of things. You've got your own extensions. So how how has that kind of been developed over time? How, what, what made you kind of go along this approach of building up, say, like you've got the build Docker file, then you've got the PHP one, then you've got the actual export. You know, how did that come about? Yes, so that was for me the first time uh, actually compiling PHP from source. That was for Breath. And uh, so I had no experience with that. I managed uh, to write some script that kind of worked. And hopefully uh, someone named Booba came and contributed a really great build pipeline. So he used Docker containers and he wrote script that uh, where you can say, okay, I want uh, this PHP version and this PHP version and those extensions and those libraries. And it will 
build PHP and all the required libraries uh, using Docker. So that was really clever. We iterated on that a few times to try to make it, you know, as powerful as possible while try to keep it maintainable and simple, which is kind of uh, opposite. That's, that's the tricky one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it works. It's really great. So uh, yeah, that, that was a really huge work he did. And, uh, yeah, I am only, I was only responsible to, to try and, you know, make it dumber because I was not able to maintain it and write it myself. So is the idea then envision that, that people say like me and Neil can then say, oh, we want this new module, this extension in, we can then take this Docker, uh, these Docker files, take this build uh, process and actually create our own layers that we can use in our own private repos or private AWS accounts or, you know, provide to the public. Yeah, so that, that's uh, an idea that we are uh, actually discussing and trying to work on. But to be honest, I don't think it's ready. I mean, the, the, I think most of the work is here, but it's not documented. It's not, I think it's not really easy to use. And uh, that's something that we need to work on, definitely. And what, what layers then do you provide at the moment? Okay, so we have um, three runtimes, three layers, same thing. Um, one to write simple PHP functions. So uh, I, when I say PHP functions, it's in the Lambda style. So you have uh, uh, an anonymous function that takes an event and returns a response. So that's interesting if you if you know about Amazon Lambda, if you've used Amazon Lambda in other languages, that's really interesting. If you've wrote, written uh, web applications, then we provide the PHP FPM layer. So with that, that's really great because it's the same thing as usual. You have PHP FPM and you just say, here is my index.php and then you can run Symfony or Laravel or whatever framework you want inside that, that uh, index.php. So that's the layer I think most people will use. And then Breath provides as well, uh, you mentioned it, the console layer, which builds on top of the PHP uh, the base layer. And the console layer lets you run Symfony console or Laravel Artisan or any binary script actually uh, on Lambda. And that's really helpful to to run uh, maintenance tasks or maybe crons uh, with, you know, re- very easily. And how, how does this differ then from 0.2? Because bringing in PHP FPM was one of those big things, especially in 0.3 to be like, aha. And, and I'm guessing that was catered based on the runtime environment that, that AWS provided. Yeah, that was that was really exciting to, to be able to finally run PHP FPM there. Before that, we had to rely on, actually, we relied on PSR 7. So you could run any framework that was compatible or that could be made compatible with PSR 7. Uh, and that was, you know, the express. You're running on a CLI sappy, wasn't it? Yes, that was always yes, the pro- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we basically, we wrapped and we abstracted, uh, you know, uh, the HTTP request and HTTP response and connected that through, through PSR 7 to the frameworks. But now with the, with Breath 0.3, we don't have, we don't need that anymore because we have PHP FPM. And that's really great. That means that we can run, you know, any PHP application that works with PHP FPM. So that, that's a lot of it. Even though, of course, we, you know, the, the application has to be compatible with the limitations of Amazon Lambda. And there are many of them, like, for example, the fact that the file system is read-only, the fact that, uh, you know, there's a maximum size for your code base and, 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 and so, and other limitations I don't have in mind right now. <laughs> Um, so as a, a PHP application developer, um, what would be the, the kind of workflow for, for building and testing and deploying my, uh, my website using Breath? Um, right. 
The good thing now that we have PHP FPM is that you can still, you know, code locally and, and develop your application with your framework just as usual. You, so you can, you know, test it locally with uh, your web server. It could be the, the PHP's built-in server or it could be Apache or Nginx, whatever you want. You can also as well use uh, Sam's local uh, Docker I don't know, environment. So that's, that's a possibility. However, it's a bit slower than, than uh, you know, the usual Docker setup because they... They have the way they run uh, the application locally is that they boot a new Lambda and a new container for every HTTP request. So right now it's it's really great to debug stuff locally, but it's not ideal, I would say, to do a full development cycle uh, locally. And then to deploy, you would you know you would install Breath, you would install Sam, and you would basically follow the tutorial. What you would do is uh, initialize Breath and then deploy with Sam with two two commands. So um, those two commands, basically, they, they package the application and upload it to Amazon S3. So that's your whole code base uploaded to Amazon S3. And then the deploy process by Sam again would create everything you need in your application. For example, the, the create the lambdas, create the database, they create the API getaway um, uh, that, that you would use and any other resources that are linked to that. And... Sam does the deployment using CloudFormation, so that's really great because um, with CloudFormation, everything is, uh, you know, it's an atomic deployment. Every resource is deployed at once, so that's that's really, really great to ensure deployments either succeed or fail uh, completely. Yeah, so you mentioned there you've got the con- the console SAPI, the CLI SAPI, and now you've got the PHP FPM fast CGI SAPI. And there's another SAPI that I've been looking through, uh, eagerly looking through, actually, and it's the Loop SAPI that you've been working on. And I'm just wondering, kind of, firstly, what is this and, and the kind of success and the merits of using this over a conventional approach? Right. So this is completely experimental. So uh, I guess for most... Do not use it in production. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and I think most people don't need to care about that, but that's still extremely fun to talk about this. This is... Uh, basically a new way to run PHP, something that I uh, hacked together, you know, in the, the C code of PHP that was the first time I, I looked into that code. And what I tried to do is copy the behavior of PHP FPM, but remove all the HTTP and fast CGI uh, parts. So what you have, you have a script and the script will execute in a loop. And every time the script executes, the memory will be completely cleared. So the goal here is that you can run, um, uh, for example, the Amazon Lambda script in a loop uh, without having to start new processes uh, for every invocation. And the idea here is only, you know, to gain in performances, to gain in the cold start and, and to uh, to gain on the start the sorry the time needed for the process to start. So that's really interesting in performances because that's I think we get the best performances with PHP with this. Uh, still, it's experimental and it's a completely new SAPI in PHP. So I'm not sure how it can be uh, released, maybe as an extension, but I don't think, you know, uh, sending a pull request to PHP and waiting three years for it to be merged, maybe if they want it. That's, I, I don't know what to do with that, honestly. <laughs> Definitely get it on Peckle and just leave it there for people who want to use it for sure. And plus, I mean, the fact is the great thing about the abstractions of layers and runtimes is you can provide it and then people don't have to worry about that, which is a nice thing. Absolutely. And so how have you found like success with this then? Have you been able to actually hack it together, get it working, get a proof of concept out there? Uh, yeah. So um, 
what I did is I did some performance tests. So I was able to compile it and use it in Amazon Lambda on a, in a, in a performance test. And uh, we actually have a repository on GitHub that compares the, the performances of each uh, runtime. So we have experimental runtimes. We have the runtimes that are actually provided by Breath. And on that repository, you can compare the, basically the overhead of each runtime. And usually it's between, you know, depending on the runtime, it's between like two milliseconds to sometimes even 50 milliseconds. That's interesting to see the differences between each. So, um, so, so performance and, and package size is obviously um, a very, very big consideration for, for, for running Breath on, on Lambda. And in order to achieve that, Breath has to be opinionated in order to stay minimal. Um, so what, what opportunities or challenges does that, uh, does that prevent to, uh, present to the users? Yeah, that's, that's really tough because um, the thing is that uh, we, are, we are in a situation where there is not much to run PHP on Lambda, you know, and, and even for serverless PHP, there is not much uh, right now. And at the same time, uh, I think that's what I think. I believe that in order to provide something actually useful, we have to make some choice, choices. We have to provide something usable for the user, but that means not necessarily do every feature and cover everything. So we, for Breath, it's really a challenge to know what we should provide. For example, that's a really a good example with the PHP extensions. We cannot provide all PHP extensions. First, because of the size and because of the performances, it, it, uh, it's a... Uh, bears on the Lambda, but also because of the maintenance effort. And so it's always a fine line between uh, we should include that in breath because most people will need it, or we should not include that in breath because else the project will become unmaintainable and and uh, and it will actually be worse, you know, if we include that thing and that thing and that thing. That, that means also, um, you know, for users that you have something that, I mean, the goal with Breath and with all those choices is to have something that is easy to use and easy to understand. So that's great. We chose Amazon Lambda. We don't let you choose any other providers. Same, we choose Amazon Sam. You cannot use serverless and you cannot use other tools to deploy. So that's less choices for the user, which is great, but that also means that you cannot get out of these choices. If you want to, you cannot use Breath. So that's a, a set of limitations and and yeah, the idea is to hope that all those choices make it easier for the users. Sure. So, so Lambda is, is kind of ubiquitous anyway. I mean, it's, um, as, as far as I'm aware, it's, it's kind of like the biggest name in, in uh, cloud computing. So, so what you're ultimately doing with Breath, I, I guess, is supporting one thing and supporting it well. And that would be, that would be the goal. Exactly, right? exactly, yeah. And it should be said then with layers and stuff, you know, you mentioned there, obviously, the sizes, sizes of lambdas and, and all these kind of, you know, package size. And all layers that you use contribute to that 250 megabyte max size. So anything that you add into uh, any of your layers that you provide, you know, for everyone to use is affecting them. So you've really got to be careful what you do, because as you say, the common base case, what do they really need? And is it just wasted megabytes that they're not, you know, that's kind of impeding upon actual the business logic that they want to include? Yes, and I think those constraints are actually uh, useful for the project. They are not maybe useful for uh, users, but uh, it forces us to, you know, to make choices. And I think for open source projects, and even for any pro any kind of project, it's good to have to make some choices and to have some constraints. Uh, that way, it's also a way, you know, to to create an identity for the project. And I think, you know, if there are other projects 
that come around and say, hey, we want to support PHP on, on, on serverless PHP applications. And they make different choices. That, that's really great. Uh, because I don't think breadth should be everything. So having those constraints and uh, having to make choices, it's good. It will create some alternatives and it will create, I think, a sane, you know, a sane ecosystem. Yeah. One, one of the things that I think is actually really, um, might, might show a lot of poten- uh, potential is the ability for users to take what breath gives and then go ahead and extend it and, and create what they need to create and to customize things to their own kind of environments and their own needs. And, and, and I like the fact that the project just gives this easily replicable and predictable environment that people are going to be able to, to, to use and build upon. Absolutely. And it, it would be really great, actually, sorry, to go a little bit back and kind of maybe do a little more of a deep dive uh, into, we mentioned the runtime API, the open API that AWS has provided. It'd be great maybe to go into that and, and kind of how that works under the hood, kind of demystifying some of this, because back in the day, uh, I say that like it's probably six months ago where, you know, you'd, you'd use a Node.js app that then would just do an exec call to PHP CLI SAP that pretended to be PSR7, you know, you know, pretended to be a web server that this this is all changed and you can now use the PHP FPM uh, and everything like that. And you, you've got some great implementations. We've used in sockets and been able to actually start that up and run that. H- how does the, the runtime work? What is the process? Um, so yes, the way the runtime works is that, you know, in the layer to, for a layer to become a runtime, it has to provide a file named bootstrap and the bootstrap file is an executable. That is basically the master process of the Lambda. And the bootstrap file, when it executes, what it does is it will query an HTTP API, which is completely internal to the Lambda. It's uh, what we call the runtime API. So it's an HTTP API that has, I think, three or four endpoints. And the most important one is, you know, an endpoint to get an event to process. So the bootstrap bootstrap process will start and we call the the event uh, endpoint to get an event to process. And that event can be, you know, uh, an HTTP request. It can be uh, a message in the message queue. It can be anything. It can be any event that Lambda can process. So the bootstrap gets that event and then does whatever it wants. So with PHP, for example, with PHP FPM, uh, the bootstrap file will get the event, turn the event into a, a fast CGI request. So basically an HTTP request, it will send that to PHP FPM and PHP FPM will process, execute the PHP code and return a response. And the bootstrap process will convert that response back to uh, Amazon's format. So basically the bootstrap file will replace uh, Nginx or Apache in a classic uh, PHP setup. And the great thing is, is that you're using PHP actually for the implementation there because yeah. it, it just has to be executable. So you just can, you can use PHP, which is great. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And that, that actually, it's really interesting because it's completely uh, new at the same time and not new. You know, it's, uh, it's basically the same thing as an HTTP proxy or, or HTTP server. But since we can do it in PHP, we can think of many crazy ideas and, and many crazy execution models. We can, for example, in the bootstrap process, run the PHP applications, just like, you know, you can do with Swool or React PHP or uh, PHP PM. You could have Symfony or Laravel running in the bootstrap process so that you can cut any, you know, uh, overhead communicating through the fast CGI um, protocol and have Symfony, you know, boot once. And, and just process requests in the same process. And that's actually really, really fast. 
the only downside to this is that you have to be careful about you know memory usage and, and memory leaks. That's the same thing with React PHP and Swarm. I don't know whether you've looked into like the the PHP RFC that's been uh, approved for seven four, which is the preloading. That seems like an interesting thing to be able to add into this. Yes, uh, I have not looked into that at all uh, at the moment. I'm really interested to to know if it can maybe improve the performances on Lambda. I don't know if anyone has looked at it. I know someone opened an issue uh, on GitHub, but that's about it. So, so what um, what what kind of immediate future uh, features and additions do you think will be coming to Breath? Um, and then, kind of longer term as well, where where would you like to see the project go, and how how would you like to th- see things evolve? I think there, in terms of features, you know, there are many many things we can add to Breath. And I don't. I have like a hundred ideas, but I try to look from the actual problems of people trying to use Breath, you know. And what's actually missing at the moment, I think, is uh, mainly documentation. Like uh, we, what we lack in the, if I can say, the PHP serverless ecosystem is experience and its resources. And just an example is how do you use a database with Breath and with Amazon Lambda and with SAM. How how can you um, uh, I don't know uh, use uh, message queues and I think that's that's the most important thing right now is to document all of that with time also as well uh, try to make breath more open uh, as you mentioned for the PHP extensions and all the build process and uh, simplify as much as we can uh, especially I think the deployment part I mean using SAM is great and it's it's it works fine. But we still have to mess with the, the layer version numbers and mess with the, the regions. That's something quite painful at the moment. So I don't know how, but I would love to try and find some solutions to, to make that even simpler. And I guess also that we, we will receive, I, I expect that we will receive many contributions from, uh, you know, from people, you know, trying to fix their problems and their use cases. So I'm sure that we'll get Many things new that I can't even think of right now. That was one thing that I that I was going to ask anyway. Is is so for, for users that uh, maybe have got uh, their own use cases and and documentation requests and things. I mean, how how can users get in touch and and build a community around what uh, what Breath is achieving and and see things developed that they would like to add into the project? Right. I think that's one of the challenges we have right now. Uh, we have more and more contributors, and I think Neil, you know that uh, it's not always easy to to uh, you know communicate and 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 also uh, decide and agree together on what we add to Breath, what we leave out of it, and how we also add new features. And what's great is that we start slowly to find you know some ways to work together. Uh, together, so we have uh, obviously the GitHub repository. Now we have a Slack channel as well, which is really useful to you know to bounce of some ideas from each other and um yeah i think that's i think that's about it at the moment i, I think we'll figure we'll figure out along the way what should be in breath and what shouldn't one good way to 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 keep everyone happy i guess is to have something that is open you know open to extensions like you said sure and uh, so, so so users can get involved with the with the community and the conversation on the slack channel which i believe is breathworkspace.slack.com yes we need to share uh, the the url I, I think the invite url it's not really uh, visible right now you have to dig into the issues to find it 
but we, we we need to push that to more people i guess i'll definitely put that in the show notes as well because uh yeah contributing to this is invaluable especially you know for as you say php is not natively supported by aws uh, and it, you mentioned actually in the, in the beginning that some of the you know that actually php is natively supported in other cloud providers so i'm just wondering do you envision maybe aws in the future supporting a, a php similar to how it's like introduced support for ruby or do you feel that maybe you know php will just be using this runtime open api um honestly i have no idea what i know for sure is that uh you know when i started the breath project it was really about you know the technical stuff, the code and the the the, the hack to run a PHP with uh, with JavaScript. And when Amazon announced that they published you know the Open Runtime API and, and then anybody could uh, theoretically uh, build their their own runtime and run let's say PHP on Lambda, I was you know I was really happy, but at the same time I was a bit sad because that means that I maybe Breath didn't have a reason to exist anymore. And I think that's that's actually not the case at all. If if there's better support for PHP on Lambda, that's really great. I think that Breath is more than just that. And that you mentioned the community, and that's a very big part of it. Writing serverless PHP applications is not just about you know using a tool and using a framework. It's really more complex than that because we we lack experiences and we need to to you know to learn we need to share together our experiences we need to 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 improve our tools there there's so much more than just you know the code so i'm really not worried about the future of all of this i think there's there's still a lot to do i think one of the things that breath really gets right as well is um the the ease of accessibility for the documentation it's that aws documentation tends to be completely impenetrable and i was speaking to people <laughs> yesterday who who completely agreed with that as well. They, they said, like, we, we just can't get into the documentation. It lacks tangible examples. So one of the things that I think that Breath is really, really doing well is coming up with examples and simplifying the documentation to make it much, much easier for people to, to get on board with. No, I completely agree. And it'd be interesting, actually, maybe Breath in the real world. So how have you used this? Do you have used this in any projects yourself? Have you seen this being used, uh, you know, maybe from zero two now to moving them over to zero three, finding how much easier it is to use? Yes. Yeah, so that, that's, I guess for me, maybe Neil, you have some answer to that. Uh, for me, this is a tricky question because I, at the same time, I, I want to say that, you know, anyone can use Breath and that's really great and go on and, and try it. That's great. But still breath is not suitable for you know all scenarios if you have a big complex php application and especially if it's legacy or whatever maybe breath is not really ready for that for you yet but you know for small applications and and you know it's been now a year that i only deploy all my you know small projects on breath and it just works and that's really great uh, so for very small application it's perfect it's really great you don't pay a cent for that i can't recommend it enough uh, now for mid-sized projects you know it depends it depends how how many how much um, uh, for example database you are using how you are uploading files how how specific your setup is i know companies that do use breath and that save you know a lot of money thanks to that and thanks to amazon lambda so i guess it's up to how much you want to uh you know struggle with some things, how much you want to, to get into those details. Um, and I think over the, over this year, uh, it will be much more, you know, usable in, in larger applications. At least that's, that's the goal. You know. It's interesting because there, there still is that debate of whether you have one big 
Lambda that is like the catch-all, you know, where you can bring in your typical web application, maybe built with Laravel Symfony and let them do the framework routing and whatnot. Or you use routing and take advantage of API Gateway and allow, you know, maybe having these smaller functions that are very defined. What's your opinion on that? Do you kind of have a, a preferred approach? Yeah, uh, for, for me, I don't have an answer to that, honestly. I think that's a very interesting question. And I think we'll figure out the answer, you know, over time, because we, again, we need more uh, experience with, with all of this. Now we can look into, you know, the same problem applied to microservices or even applied to, you know, to, to um, you know, uh, modular architectures. Uh, do we really want to maintain 20 or 50 functions or just one or maybe five? That's, that, that can help answer the, the, the question. And you have the tooling. The thing is with frameworks is you have that tooling already, don't you? It's the fact that you have like Laravel and Symfony that are doing all that work for you, do it well. And it's, it's quite an easy task to just bring that into a, like a serverless architecture, get the benefits of the pricing of the run what you, you know, only using what you need and whatnot and the scalability of that. And then maybe breaking things up. Exactly. Yeah, I definitely start with something simple and then try to improve it. Just, you know, make it work and then make it better. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and so, so finally, for me, actually, I, I suppose it, more of a kind of looking into the future, uh, really. You know, what, what do you envision then or what would you like from Lambda and serverless compute in the future? You know, what, what can you say? I mean, no one knows what's going to happen next reInvent. Uh, <laughs> I don't know whether you had any idea that this runtime open API was going to happen or this kind of thing. So what, what would you like to see? And then what do you reckon you will see? Uh, for me, there's one technical thing that's still, it's still a big problem with the serverless adoption. It's the cold start. That's that's we often hear about that, and it's really painful, you know, when using a database on on Amazon. Would you mind maybe for the uh, for the audience if they haven't already listened to our previous episodes, like what is then the cold start that you're talking about? Right, Amazon basically scales the the containers, or I mean, they are not technically containers, but it's it's the same thing. Uh, they scale the containers uh, on demand uh, depending on your traffic. But whenever a new container or a new Lambda instance boots, you will have you know, an overhead, which is called a cold start. And it can be between, you know, 200 milliseconds to maybe 500 milliseconds. So that can be really annoying if you are writing APIs where you want to have really good response times. And those cold starts can get even worse when using a database and, and uh, with uh, using Amazon RDS. Because when using Amazon RDS, you have to put the Lambda into a VPC, whatever, whatever. Anyway, you can get like a five-second cold start. So that, that can be a real big problem when writing a website or, or an API. And Amazon uh, is working on that at the moment. They announced that you know, in the beginning of 2019, they will solve that problem. I'm really eager to see that. And I really hope they can you know, fix cold start altogether and make them disappear. Uh, that will be like a really great um, you know, removal of a limitation. Yeah, because at the moment, you still have to do that whole hot keeping containers hot by calling them and stuff to, essentially you're hacking it that you're just trying to say now keep me open like you assume that they last for say 15 minutes so you're like oh every 10 minutes please just call it and hope then that we'll keep at least a couple open yes exactly or couple alive well you can do that um and it works it works it works fine for most applications for some applications it won't work because you know what's important is uh you know, you have unpredictable traffic, so you can keep one or even two or ten lambdas warm. But if you have, if you need at some point fifty lambdas to boot at one specific time, then you will still have th- those cold starts. So uh, it's a workaround, but it's not perfect. 
And have you looked into Firecracker at all? Did you, you know, that was another thing from reInvent, the the kind of introduction of Firecracker, like being able to actually run your own lightweight virtualization. Like you mentioned there, that they, they're containers, but they're not containers. Uh, it's it's quite an amazing thing. Like I'll definitely put in the show notes some of the deep dives they go into, like how they do Lambda. Uh, but have you, have you looked into Firecracker and seen how that like, these things work under the hood? Uh, no, I haven't. And they say you shouldn't really care about Firecracker and you shouldn't really use it. Uh, and so I, I listen to them, you know. <laughs> no, that's that's really interesting, you know, uh, to understand how they build. Micro VMs and stuff. Yeah, is... those micro VMs. Really, that's really great to, to learn about how they do that. Do that. Um, though I don't I don't think anybody should, you know, try to go and use it, except maybe the, the cloud providers. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, actually, um, I know that you've recently started a serverless newsletter. Can you tell me um, a little bit about that and, and what, what kind of content and, and articles that you're, you're putting together for the newsletter and, and how often you know, people that sign up can expect to receive something from you? Yeah, so uh, most people I, I talk with about serverless, they they are really interested in, interested in the topic, but there is so much stuff going on, it's, uh, it's overwhelming. And uh, the idea of the newsletter is to do a newsletter that is about serverless, but specifically about PHP-related stuff. So let's say, for example, there's there's a, a new database, a serverless database, you know, that that pops up in uh, Amazon. Then it's interesting to you as a PHP developer. But if you try to follow Amazon's news, then good luck, you know. So what I try to do is to compile everything that that could be related and useful to PHP developers, and and do a monthly newsletter to to keep everyone uh, up to date. How do you find the time to do all this with Brett, <laughs> along along with other work? It's it's amazing. That's a complex question. Uh, that's something <laughs> I'm still working on. Uh, what I'm trying to do is to find uh, a good balance between you know working with clients. And, and keeping some days during the week to work on open source projects. So at the moment, I have uh, usually one or two days a week to work on, on open source projects. So that, that's really great. That's much, much better than what I did last year, with, which was you know working late at night and, and working during the weekends. And that's something I, I, my goal, my personal goal is to try to find uh, a good balance for the whole year you know, and try to make it uh a very stable thing. Uh, you know, I did some open source projects in the past and those were mostly, you know, fun projects to learn and to try to to make something that people use. You know, it was really great and fun. Breath is a bit different. I really, I really see a lot of uh, potential, uh, both on the open source projects and on the serverless technologies and on all of that. And I really want, you know, to, I, I am actually investing a lot of time and a lot of energy in Breath. And that's something I will keep on doing for, you know, this year and the next years as well. I just want to try to find something that lets me do that, uh, you know, uh, the best way. I think um, so. So just uh, just before we uh, we started the the show, uh, Ed and I were talking, and and he said that he had been running through some of the uh, the GitHub history on the breath project and saw the amount that you've been doing recently um now obviously you're, you're saying that obviously you're working a couple of days a week on breath and uh, but but i know that that you and i were up late debugging something last week because this uh, <laughs> this issue just kind of popped up that a couple of people said well, hold on all my all my routing's broken and 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 so i think it took us about four or five hours to to debug and then figure out that there was a problem with a dependency 
and so we then sort of made a fix to to deal with that within breath so that's all stable again i mean are you getting enough sleep no i am i'm definitely am i uh, this is this is actually a reason why i wanted to spend you know some time during the week to work on the open source project is i want to have uh, an actual good work life balance and 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 do something that is uh, viable on the long term so that's uh, that's really all going great at the moment. Some nights, uh, indeed, I can you know uh, work late, but it's okay. <laughs> well, no, absolutely, and I'd say you know, the work you do is invaluable, and it's definitely. I mean, as you say, like it's helping not only get PHP on Lambda, but it's also it's just the ecosystem and a serverless PHP ecosystem that will forever need it, but be needed because serverless is not going away. It's definitely the next compute, you know, the def- next way of performing all of our tasks, all operations and stuff in a scalable manner. So it's invaluable to have that. And PHP, as they will not go away as well. So the two together work really well. Yeah, they're a very good match. And both, you know, on the technical side, because they share the same execution model and and so forth. But um, I think that's even better, you know, on the philosophical side you know uh, serverless is about making things simpler you have less to do when it's simple and you can just you know push an application online that's it and i think with php that's what it has always been about it's really an accessible language and it has gotten a bit more complex over the years both you know php in itself but uh you know with deploying php applications now you have to care about containers you have to care about ansible chef puppets and and orchestration and stuff like this. And going back to the roots of PHP, you know, an accessible language where anyone can write some PHP code and just push it and it just works. It just runs in production and it's on a production that's reliable, that's scalable, that's... Um... It's quite amazing, isn't it? It's going it's going full circle. Exactly. <laughs> it's like going full circle, absolutely. Well, say, so Matthew, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Thank uh, you. Neil, have you got anything else you'd like to, to add? I don't, I don't think so, really. I mean, there is one thing which is uh, sticking in my mind, uh, which is there are one or two different solutions to this problem uh, emerging at the moment. So we've got, uh, we've got solutions like Image to Lambda, uh, which I know is being worked on. So what, what makes Breath different to everything else um, or, or maybe the best solution? I, I don't know if it's the best solution, but what makes what sets Breath apart from the other emerging solutions that we have? Right. So, yeah, I wouldn't say like Breath is the best. I think it's a matter of what problem it solves. And um, some people will want, you know, uh, with EMG to Lambda or with other solutions, you have to, for example, deal with containers or build your runtime manually. And it's great. Uh, and some people will want to use that. And that's really fine. The idea with Breath is to address uh, another need, which is I write some code and I want it to run online. That's basically it. And whether uh, it runs with you know some runtimes on whatever or something else, that's, that's mostly a problem for us Breath maintainers. Um, so... Again, I think that that's okay if there are many pro- many uh, solutions on the same using the same technologies because the approach and the people, uh, the users that it targets is what's most important. Absolutely, I say thank you so much, and Neil as well. Thank you for taking the time. Thank I know that you. you're you're at PHP conference at the moment, so you're <laughs> trying to find some time, nice quiet area and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been a good chat. Awesome. All right, then, audience. Well, thanks again for listening to us, and we'll be back next time. Speak to you soon. You've been listening to Three Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at 
contact at 3devsandamaybe.com or follow us on Twitter at the number 3, Devs and a Maybe.